This is Twos and Threes, a podcast about the basketball team that, according to the Warriors broadcast team, is just frustrating to play. The Utah Jazz. Douglas! How many, like, it's an undefeated week. What are we even doing? We've been having a great time. Um, We've been roasting social media and just relishing. We're roasting and relishing. Relishing in some some good jazz basketball. This is a roasting and, and relishing kind of week when the Jazz have a back-to-back uh, back-to-back wins against the Pelicans and then just look like the seven. This is the first time I'm going to say it. They look like the 17-18 Warriors against the 2021 Warriors. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. It was a roasting and relishing kind of week, so let's talk about what happened in it. Let's just go right to it. Yep. Wait, what happened this week? So, Doug... This is what happened. We, we we came off of that really fun to me Nuggets game on Sunday, and then the Jazz played you know this Pelicans team that um, ESPN is in love with, back to back, made quick work of them, and then played the Warriors last night in what could only be described as the most fun night of Jazz basketball in some time. Uh, uh, agreed. Um, and let me just give you my quick gripe on this. So. Jazz right won away. all three games, 3-0 this week. We're on an eight-game with streak now. Um, and yes. so first game, we beat the Pelicans 118-102. to Second game, we beat the Pelicans 129-118. to Third game, we were beating the Warriors by 40 at one point, and then the bench let them back. But 127-108, to the bench as in the third-string bench that doesn't actually usually play other than in a blowout. And in every single one of these games, Mark, if you get on the ESPN app and you go to the recap, there will be highlights, headlines, and videos of Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and Steph Curry. Nothing about the Jazz. It's so annoying. It's, ri- it's, it's ridiculous. I love it. And I love the spiciness of Jazz Twitter about it. Um, Ken Clayton, who's one of my favorite Twitter follows, um, tweeted something about He's like, it's great that like the Steph Curry hitting is or moving to second place in all time three pointers was significant. So it makes sense. But literally three stories and highlights before it even mentioned the Jazz on ESPN site. And I just retweeted. I was like, I can't wait for the Jazz to win the championship. But the headline to be Jason Tatum sets the record for most attempted banked three point shots in Celtics <laughs> history in a losing effort. I mean, it's like, I mean, this is listen. We sometimes as Jazz fans we get a little too defensive we get a little too self-conscious and sensitive and we often complain about national media coverage and you know even some jazz fans on on twitter like to remind us of that um from a little bit of a holier than now place but whatever uh but you know they're normally right and in some sense but this week they're not doug this week they are not this week the whole of the nba world is like Hey, why are they? Why is like national media just like hating on the jazz? Like, what the heck is going on here? Um, because I mean, we'll talk about it from the full slate. I mean, let's just make I don't know quick work of this first Pelicans game, and then we and then we can get into it. Because I mean, what, what do you have any particular insightful thoughts on the first Pelicans game? Because I just thought that to me that game was hey, the Jazz are better than you, and you're a bit of a mess, and we dispatched of them 
and the second game was more interesting. But do, do you have any notes? Yeah, from that yeah. First so one? this first game, um, from the voices and whispers below that we didn't didn't want to listen to this voice, this game shut them all up because it was the Joe Ingles return game, and he went five for six from three, and he looked amazing, and was so good. Um, the the voices and whispers that right, I'm talking right. about are the people that we try not to give voice to on this podcast, but. Um, just thinking about how the Jazz were shooting so well without Joe. And Joe comes back and shoots amazing. And guess what, Mark? To add on to that, in this game, the Jazz made more than 23s. They made 20, what was 21 three-pointers. What does that mean, Doug? What's the significance of the number 20? Well, Mark, <laughs> in this twos and threes sphere that we are in and that we have, um, when the Jazz make more than 23s or they shoot more than 53s, it's going to be a blowout. And if not, it's going to be a W. Don't even give us our whole podcast credit for this. This is your rule, Doug. This is your Lawler's Law. You you created this rule much akin to the rule that if the first team that scores 100 points is, is almost always going to win Lawler's Law. Um, and it's just been pretty prescient. So let's be very clear about this. And maybe we're just going to have to change our podcast name to the 2050 podcast but you're saying that anytime the jazz either make 23s or attempt 53s these are mutually exclusive it can be both we'll get to that but one or the other this game they were 21 of 47 so they did not attempt 53s um but they made 21 of them and they won and so far to your your rule is unlike lawler's law which is like 90 something percent a hundred percent accurate this season. The Jazz have not lost a game where they've made either 23s or attempted 50. Um, this was a great one. And yeah, the Joe Ingles, George Niang was great. Um, the bench the bench three-point shooting was fantastic in this between Niang, Ingles, and, and Clarkson. Yeah. So just, a, just another notch on the belt of this is our sixth one in a row. So fun game. Yeah, and Donovan was fantastic in this game. Six for six from the, the line. 28 points on 15 shots. He was great. Mike Conley, who's become a plus minus God. He is literally of Asgard um, or uh, where Zeus live? Uh, Olympus. Um, he, he was plus 26, which is wild because it only got better as the week went. And Zion Williamson scored a bunch, but nobody cared because the Jazz just kind of won this one handily looking good. So fast forward to the second Pelicans game. And this is where we as a podcast get nervous. We're going to talk about this a little bit in our segment two with our pod friend McKay but I always feel like you play a game a team two games in a row it's really hard to win twice especially in the regular season or if you play within you know a short period of time twice and I just thought this Pelicans team's young they're going to come out with fire I thought the Jazz really should win like I was just being like I think we're going to win because we're just better but if we do I feel like this means something more than a, a typical regular season game like Really good teams go out and beat a okay team or a talented team two games in a row just because they're better. And pretty good teams, you know, sometimes they give one of those away and they call it a split and they move. And uh, yeah, we're just really good. We're just really good. Yeah, to the Pelicans' credit, they they came out with some some good adjustments. Um, they were beating the Jazz by sixteen and one point. Uh, I think the end score of the first quarter was well. Let me not guess and actually see it right here. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was 43 to 31. 
or something like that. So the, the Pelicans came out really hot. and They made more threes in the first quarter, I believe, than they did in the entire prior game. I've heard that stat, I think, other places, but I'm giving credit to the Home Court Press podcast, Brian Priest and McCade. I, I heard that on your recap. Uh, so, I mean, they clearly made adjustments in the in the way that they were going to attack the, the yeah. Jazz. Um, and guess what, Mark? It wasn't enough. Uh, so the, nope. The, it's, man, we, just right now, we're just playing so well. Let me read you this stat line really fast, Mark, and we can transition into our next point from this game. But I'm going to read you the stat line, and you're going to guess who the player is, okay? Please. All right. Let's see. Okay, this this player made 36 points, um, had five assists, seven rebounds, was 11 of 19 from the field, which is 50, 58% shooting, six of eight from three, 75%, and eight of eight from free throw, plus 16. Can you tell me who it is? I don't know, man. When you say uh, uh, it, it just kind of sounds like somebody who's probably a second or third option on a really good team. Somebody who doesn't do anything but score. Um, I, are you talking about Tim Hardaway Jr.? Uh, I feel like that for for the Mavericks coming up here. I mean, I, that that to me, that stat line, all I could hear was, "Yeah, this guy shoots a lot." But d- did he get 15 rebounds, Doug? Did did he get 24 assists? I, I don't did know. He, like, did he control listen, the pace I mean, of play? D- he wasn't Shaquille O'Neal, that's for sure. I mean, did he control the pace of play? Ah, that was a nice setup the way you did that. Um, it got my got my juices very much flowing because, in case you've been living under the under a rock for the last, you know, three days, the the real thing that came out of this in a game where the Jazz won their seventh game in a row, where um, they beat a team in a back to back. Uh, that's been a much, you know, ballyhood team um, with a lot of young, good players where they were down 16, took a one point lead at halftime and then just pummeled them in the fourth quarter in a game where Kevin Harland, who was calling the game, was basically drooling on his shirt because Donovan Mitchell was making such beautiful one arm passes to the corner. Um, Shaquille O'Neal had the gall at the end to come on and say uh, to Donovan Mitchell in the post game interview, I don't. We were talking about you at halftime, and uh, I don't think uh, you can take it to the next level, and you're like a third option. And then Kenny Smith just stepped in his own, you know, mouth, put his foot in his own mouth, trying to explain it better and be like, no, it's because you don't really do much else besides score. And I believe, Doug, you just read a whole hell of a lot of other things that he did in that game besides score. And it was awkward. It was weird. Donovan's response was... I thought really cool. He was just like, I, he didn't play along. He's like, I'm not playing with this stupid game. He's like, I, I got you. And it was just like it, it, the, the entire NBA world beyond just, jazz, I mean, jazz Twitter was like, we were after, I stayed up for like 45 minutes after the game on Twitter, just being like, this was a fun game. I thought I was going to be here having fun. And we're all just like, what the, what just happened in this game? National media people get involved. I watched the, we'll get to this more, but I watched the Warriors broadcast yesterday and they had a pregame segment about it, basically saying Shaq was an idiot. And uh, that's enough of my thoughts, but where did you come out on all this? Oh man, I mean, I mean it, it was just so dumb. Um, I'm going to quote Christian Wood here and say, Shaq, man, you're just a casual. <laughs> because... It, it was the, literally the stupidest thing. I, I mean, I just read the stat line. 36 points, 5 assists, 
Five, seven rebounds. He was 11 for 19 shooting, Mark, with 36 points. That is so efficient. Eight for eight from free throw and six for eight from three. I mean, th- there's no better stat line you could ask of, of a man that's 6'1". BS- uh, I mean, yeah. it, it was literally the stupidest thing ever. Um, and I'm actually a fan in the past um, of of the TNT inside the NBA show. And I think a lot of people have been. Um, there have been a lot of really interesting articles. Sarah Todd wrote one. Um, Andy, ba- Andy Bailey wrote one um, for respective Deseret News and Salt Lake Trip. And just really some good articles on how, on these comments by Shaq. But it's just, man, they're not watching. And it, it was just bad. And it was a stupid comment. And I don't know. This is this feels weird to say as we're adults. He's an adult. Shaq's an adult. But it was like literally the word I thought of, it was mean. It was unnecessarily mean. Me as a fan, I'm like you. You do kind of these guys have been around so long, especially Charles and and Ernie and Kenny. And it is like you know it's kind of a fun thing, especially when you're in a small market team. Where it's like oh we're gonna be on TNT tonight. I hope our guys play as well as they normally do, or better. And it'll be fun to hear the national guys be like, oh, look how great our team is. And in a game where our team did just that, they did just that. They played, he played one of his best games of the season. And I mean, you'll, you talk about this in our next segment, which we recorded out of order, but like Kenny Smith's giving all these categories of leadership, all his BS made up ones, Donovan also did. I mean, he controlled the pace of the game. He was, he's obviously the leader of the team or one of them. And he just looks so good and you're like oh this is going to be so fun to hear these guys come on and you think like donovan mitchell he's like he's still a fourth year player in the nba i mean i'm I'm, I'm, he's not some starry-eyed kid anymore but he's still like hey i just we're awesome we won seven games in a row i just had one of my best games i'm gonna go talk to shaq kenny and charles it's gonna be fun and then first thing is like hey so you're actually not very good and it's like what and then it just got worse and more awkward as the broadcast went where that you were like did we win did we win they're talking about the team that won the game, right? They're talking about the team that won seven games in a row. They're talking about the team that's tied in the loss column for the best record in the NBA right now. Oh, no. They're, wait. No, they are. This is their broadcast. And one of the things that's been funny to hear in national media is people are people are like, the NFL would never stand for this. Major League Baseball doesn't have people like that. Like, the NBA is full of these broadcast guys who are fun in some conversations, but their shtick of just being like, I'm going to criticize young NBA players all the time is tired. Yep. I'm, I have nothing more to say. I think that was perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, in the game itself, it was just, uh, again, they, they did not get to your, your 2050 rule. They didn't have to. Um, they did. They shot very well from three, 43.6%. So a little above um, their average. They got to the free throw line really well, 24 for 25 too. So that was a stat that kind of jumped out at me. But it's just like the, the starting lineup was awesome. Once again, Mike Conley plus 23 and Bogdanovich the same. Um, I don't know. It was just to me, it was like the only takeaway of this is the Jazz are for real to be determined. Like the fair criticism from TNT would have been, OK, but on the top end talent, can these guys compete with LeBron and Anthony Davis in a, in a playoff series? And that's a question to be determined. Like, I mean, we, we will we will see. But the question of are these guys in that echelon with 
to me, it's like the the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Jazz are have separated themselves. And uh, to have a takeaway other than that was was weird and just left a bad taste. Yep. yep so that was the Jazz beating the Pelicans on a back to back game wise, not night wise, but yeah, weird, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so then the next game is the Warriors. Which is also filled with um, Steph Curry highlights, and rightfully so, as he made himself the <laughs> the second most three pointers made ever, passing Reggie Miller. But unrightfully so, because the Jazz were just wrecking the Warriors. Started off fourteen to zero, um, and we're at one point Dang. beating them by forty. So it was just a crazy game. Can I tell you a little bit about my night last night, Doug, with this game? Because it was, let me just tell you just a little bit about the setup here because it was kind of fun. Um, so live in the Bay Area. The Jazz Warriors games are always extra fun for me because when they've come here, historically, I've gone to the games. And then when they're not, you know, I get my NBA League passes blacked out. And in spite of in League Pass, you can choose whichever broadcast you want to listen to. I just normally listen to the Jazz one um, other than a few teams that I know have have broadcasters that I like, like the Nets. But for for this, I, so I'm watching the pregame, which I normally don't do, right? Because League Pass pregame is just like terrible music and like a screen. Larry Nance and Royce O'Neal. Quick aside, NBA, yeah, <laughs> Larry Nance and Royce O'Neal is the matchup of the day. Like NBA, like fix your League Pass pregame, postgame commercials thing. I feel like you could be making more money off of this by having a better product. But anyways, um, so I was watching the pregame and they do this awesome segment um, about the jazz thing last night. I tweeted at the Warriors beat writer. I feel bad that I'm, I'm, or sorry, at the broadcaster. I'm forgetting her name. Uh, she responded, but she was really great. Just talked about like how petty, dumb it was. And then everybody on the broadcast afterward was like, "Yeah, Donovan Mitchell is a superstar. This is the kind of guy you want leading your team." Chris Mullen, you know, Warriors legend and also New York boy like Donovan was like. Donovan is a beautiful person. <laughs> so sweet. He looked like he was going to cry. And I was, he was just like, and he's just the kind of guy you want on your team. And I just, it was, and then the whole thing was like, this is the hottest team in the NBA. Fast forward to the broadcast itself. And if you're interested, I kind of tr- live tweeted throughout the game things that they were saying because it was just so funny and interesting to me. So if you go on my Twitter from last night, there's a big long thread. But, um, the whole thing was basically that this is a title contending team and a lot of like, look, top two guys we need to see are Donovan and Rudy as good as can they compete with LeBron? Who knows? One through nine. This is the best one through nine roster in the NBA. They said that like five times throughout the broadcast. And my favorite thing when you, when you were saying the 14-0 lead, they were funny. They sounded kind of like the I was watching Major League, like the old movie, like they came back in from the broadcast. They're like, well. Jazz with a two touchdown lead <laughs> and uh, just stuff like that. It was like the Jazz made their first threes and the Warriors airballed their first two shots. And they're like, well, Jazz are three for three and the Warriors are yet to hit the rim. <laughs> and uh, the whole thing was just like funny, but it was just because, you know, we've been getting so confident in this team and I've been trying to keep myself in check, but it was just interesting to hear a team, also a, a broadcast unit for a team that has seen the best teams of our lifetime, maybe um, be like, oh, these guys are for real. I mean, the, the the recurring theme of the thing was these guys are for real. Donovan is awesome. Rudy is a mountain. And uh, 
everybody on the Jazz feels like they can shoot threes, and all those things held true in that game. That's fun. That honestly sounds fun. I usually am pretty bummed if I have to listen to the other team's broadcast, so that's cool. Um, tw- There's some bad ones, tw- for sure. 2021 is fun, Mark. Can 2021 be fun? It, 2021 is fun, and this... This game was fun, man. And let's just hammer. Can we just hammer this the hell home, Doug? Because what what did the Jazz shoot from three last night? Let me tell you, Mark. I I have a smiley face in my notes. Can you? Yep. <laughs> um, if you're wondering, Mark, the Jazz shot forty percent from three, as they had an amazing line of fifty three pointers attempted and twenty three pointers made. And we're. We're just going to give a quick shout out to my guy, Mie One, because he threw up like four bricks in the last couple of minutes that I, every single one, I was like, please, please keep shooting. I say, like the Hinsey household over here in Menlo Park was watching the fourth quarter intently for the sole purpose of making sure we got to either 20 or 50. And we it was like nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, and we were like 19 for 43. And I was like, well, this is obviously a – I mean, after the first quarter when they threw up 15 threes, I was like, okay, 20-50 alert. Like this – and we're going to win. And this is another one in, in the book for Doug's Law. Um, but then there – it got a little hairy there once the, you know, Shaq Harrison et al. came in. And um, – Mia, though, Mia was like, I, I just thought it'd be funny in a game where for the most of the game, they were like over 43% or better if they would have just finished like 19 for 50. And I was still going to be like, well, shoot 53s and, and you win. But your guy, Juwan Morgan, with a beautiful corner three, splashed in number 20. And that made me so happy. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to say this here. There's yet to be a game where the Jazz have made 20 plus threes or shot 20 plus threes separate um, where they haven't had a blowout win. I'm, I'm just not saying a, a win, Mark. While my Lawler's Law, like you like to say, is that the Jazz will win if they make 23s or shoot 50. I, so far, it's been a blowout every time. So that's all I have to say. A blowout. And, and I, like, yeah, I mean, here's the Venn diagram. It's like there's one circle that's 53-point attempts, one circle that's 23-point makes, and then in the middle there's a few games, and the whole damn thing is blowout. Blowout. The whole Venn diagram. So, I don't know. I, Yeah. It's one pretty, kind of, can, pretty fun. Um, yeah, go, go. Sorry. Well, yeah, one kind of fun thing that I saw someone else tweet out is that the Jazz have had six games this season. They weren't looking at how many attempts, but six games this season where the Jazz have made 20 plus threes so far. And they have only had six other games in the entire history of the Utah Jazz where they have made 20 plus threes. So in this season, we have thus tied nice. um, the, the history of the Jazz. It's crazy. But yeah, that was a fun week. It's crazy. So your law, your law is undefeated, and having it be exactly twenty for fifty to cap the week was fun. One other, just can I just throw this in there? Uh, Mike Conley plus plus (laughs) forty. Mike Conley was plus forty. Mike Conley currently is number one in the Raptor ratings or whatever on five thirty eight for player efficiency rating. Mike Conley is your most valuable player, is what I'm basically trying to tell you, Doug. Forget Mike getting an All Star berth. Let's just give him the MVP. Can we give him the MVP? 
Let's do it. He's been so good, Mark. I like, I, I don't even know what to say every week because it, this has just been a really fun Mike Conley to watch and it just makes me happy. And I just think like, what do contract extensions look like for this guy? I mean, let's wait until the end of the season. I mean, whatever. Do we even have to wait? What do, what does that look like? At a no, I think they're gonna try to. Ex- I hope they're gonna try to extend it before, and it's more years, a little less money. But it's funny because we went from having like Mike Conley, the 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 one who was promised, to oh, we have a Mike Conley problem. To oh, actually, we're pretty good with Mike Conley, and it's probably an upgrade over Ricky Rubio. But like, you know, once his contract's over, we should probably just part ways and figure out point Don. To now, it's like. Mike Conley's awesome. Like we need to keep Mike Conley because Mike Conley and Donovan together are one of the best backcourts in the NBA right now. And it's what we all were kind of hoping at the beginning. Frankly, the way it's going now exceeded my original expectations or hopes. I agree. Everything, every time Mike has the ball, I just am so confident in everything that is life. Like it gives me life confidence. <laughs> so let's, I know it's like, they'll sort this yeah, vaccine. Mike thing Conley. Out. They'll sort it out. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, cool. Oh, I mean, that, so that's like, we have a great segment too coming up. So I don't think we need to get into much more other than that. Like, can I just, I mean, I could keep repeating over and over again. This week was really fun and the jazz are really good, but that's basically the bottom line. Yeah. Well, let's roll into our segment too, where we have our Mavs insider who will explain more to kind of preview the jazz playing the Mavs back to back this week, which is going to be fun. Segment two. <laughs> Yay! Okay, so segment two here is our Pod Friends segment. Um, and we've got a special guest today, a man who deserves the longest introduction I've written so far, because usually Mark introduces people. So this is going to be my longest one ever. But a man who has been a Mavs fan through and through, and he's from the deepest blooded basketball family in Davis County in an underground league where you either have to kill someone or know three people to be a part of. Um, it's McKay Richens and McKay, McKay is fun because he's been a Mavs fan. We're playing the Mavs twice this week and McKay is a true basketball guy from the blacktop of Jenny P. Stewart to the shakalaka Bula ballers or whatever they were called, um, through the ranks of AAU, Centerville Junior High and Beaumont High School. McKay famously, um, lived through all the fruits of sophomore basketball without ever having to run a sprint because he would go up to the JV varsity ranks. Um, and pretty much he could have played basketball anywhere because he's that good. But he just decided to move on to the leagues of the lower Salt Lake Valley and and win those as an adult male. Um, but yeah, so McKay Richens is awesome. He's also a budding coaching star in the world of AAU and junior high basketball. He's famously denied the request to apply for the vacancy at Centerville Junior High. So McKay Richards is here. What's up, McKay? How's it going? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. That was that was quite the introduction, Doug. Yep. Um, that was amazing. I was just going to say as an intro, we're going to rename our pod front segment to something like um, the best basketball players, like high school basketball players from the state of Utah. And we know that somehow for some stupid reason or are fans of teams from the state of Texas because um, we had Kyle Kyle a couple weeks ago and now we have McKay now to preview the Mavs 
I would say with Kyle, I, that he, I conceded he was our first guest that I knew would beat me in a dunk contest in high school. I'm not giving you that, McKay, but I will say that you would have taken either Doug or I down into the post and Dirk Nowitzki like 45 and, and gotten 15 rebounds on us. So I, I forgot I was going to oh, say go something about how McKay's never met a defender that couldn't stop him other than myself, but I forgot to add that. So <laughs> just tack that on in there. That's right. Doug's the only person I've never been able to score over. Yeah, McKay's never scored over me. It's never happened. <laughs> just hits you in the shins, probably. Probably just kicks you in the shins when you're doing that Dirk fadeback. That's, that's exactly what he does. Never gets called for a foul either. Yeah, he's just so innocent looking. That 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 with sexy beard hair combo he's got going now, though he's losing that that innocence. Uh, McKay, sure. so tell us. How, what, first explain why, why and how are you a Mavericks fan? What, what's the history here? Yeah, I, uh, this is actually a pretty good story. So when I was uh, getting into basketball, I was, uh, man, young elementary kid, probably third, third or fourth grade. Um, and I just decided, okay, first, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the normal. I, I want to like a, a, a team that not everyone cheers for. And of course, being here in Utah, that was the jazz. Didn't want to be a part of that. So I was like, okay, as a young elementary kid, what do you care most about? Well, you care about the mascot, the logo, the colors, right? And so I decided to go with the Memphis Grizzlies, the Pau Gasol Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, I actually forgot about this. Wow. I didn't know about yeah. this. I was gonna say you chose the map. Like, did you look at an old picture of Derek Harper wearing those disgusting green jerseys, and you were like, "Okay, so how did you go Grizzlies. from the?" Tell us this. Yeah. There, what's this Grizzlies era all about? Now we have to bring you back on when the when they play the Grizzlies. Yeah. So the Grizzlies era didn't last long because <laughs> it was a couple games in. They actually were playing the Mavericks. And man, I just watched Dirk and I was just in awe of what he was doing to the Grizzlies. And I was just like, yeah, bag the Grizzlies. I'm choosing, <laughs> I'm choosing Mavs. And I am, I am going to shape my game like Dirk. And so from then on, I was Mavs fan, true and true. Wow. I like that. That's because who's even on the Grizzlies at this point? Like big country Reeves? Oh I don't gosh. even know who. <laughs> it was, it was Pau Gasol. It was uh, Shane Battier. Oh, uh, oh yeah, man. Who who else was on that team? See, I didn't even watch them for that long. I mean, importantly, it was the Hubie Brown team that stole Jerry Sloan's Coach of the Year award, probably, or that that era. Those guys. That so era. forget them. Um, <laughs> cool. So I mean, what was what was this like uh, being a, a Mavs fan in Utah growing up like that? I mean, just uh, were you contrarian in all things? Uh, um, oh man. Uh, being a Mavs fan in Utah is rough because you feel like you're the only one, which I'm pretty sure I am. Um, every time I go to the, the uh, Mavs Jazz game, which I try and go to at least one of them every year because they at least come here uh, once, maybe sometimes twice. Um, you know, I'm, I'm decked out in my Mavs stuff. One thing I've learned is uh, Jazz fans don't appreciate when you, uh, when you cheer for another team in their arena. So uh, I, I've got I've gotten some quarters thrown at me. I've gotten what? I've gotten ripped in the hallway. Like some some people can be ruthless, especially in those Dirk years. Uh, not not many people like Dirk here here in Salt Lake. So um, okay, you had a yeah, quarter yeah. thrown at you. I think that needs more. <laughs> I had a quarter thrown at me. 
Um, it was it was actually the game when when we had the famous Andre Karolinko flop, and everyone thought that Dirk uh, Dirk played dirty there to uh, take him out, and so um, yeah. I was, oh, you mean the I game actually, where Dirk took out Andre? I don't know about this flop garbage. Like I don't know where that <laughs> oh, came from. But uh, I was in the hallway going to get some dipping Dots. And uh, yeah, someone checked their quarter at me when I was in line. Wow, that's nice. Listen, man, if you're getting dip, if you're getting dipping Dots at the Viv in another team's jersey, you're asking for a quarter to get thrown at you. That's all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I, I was just innocently cheering for my team, you know, just trying to get a nice uh, ice cream snack in between the third and the fourth. And man... Dude, Larry and Gail used to have people parole the Dippin' Dots. There was extra security around the Dippin' Dots, and it was like, if you're, if you're wearing the wrong colors, getting Dippin' Dots, if you order the wrong Dippin' Dots colors, you could get a quarter <laughs> thrown at you at, at, the, or at the old Delta Center. Yeah, um, well, I mean, it's funny what you say about Dirk, because I do think, like, Dirk's kind of funny. He falls into that category, honestly, with, with Kobe, of, like, there was an era there. I think it was, like, Kobe... Dirk and Tim Duncan had to have been the most hated non-jazz guys who came in and he just hung 45 plus in, in the, then whatever it was, Delta center energy solutions arena. Um, so many times and he just mean mugged so much. You just wanted to slap that little grimace off of his face. Um, but I also kind of think he's one where people maybe, maybe not, maybe it's just me have, have come around on him more. I mean, I want to, talk to you about this team a little bit and I was going to save this for later, but I, I do got to say 2011 Dirk, he won me over. I mean, in 2006, I thought they got screwed, but I didn't really feel bad for him. I was like, whatever Dirk. And, uh, but then in 2011, like that was one year where I was super excited about the jazz and then everything went wrong, you know, with, uh, uh, Darren and Jerry. And when the playoffs came around, I, I didn't have like a rooting interest in anybody. And I was pretty excited about Brandon Roy going off for like 40 against the Mavs. I think oh. it was that series. And I was rooting for the Blazers totally. Comeback. Yeah, that was like one of the most memorable. Ones. But then that team like kind of just won me over in the playoff. Like I was like, obviously I was rooting for them to beat the Lakers, but I think I probably was cheering for the Thunder at first. But as it went on, they just passed so well. And Dirk was so selfless and so clutch. It's honestly one of my favorite non-jazz teams i mean what, what what was that what was that year like for you as man that that ride was incredible uh i mean going back to the blazer series you know the Mavs were up 2-0 up at that point dallas was known as being this very soft team who couldn't get it done in the playoffs right i mean they had gone through uh i mean you had don nelson and then you had avery johnson um and avery johnson especially couldn't get them out of the first round um, so up in that point, Dallas is known as this team that can't finish. They cannot win when it comes, uh, I mean, when push comes to shove and Dirk can't get them there. Right. And so that Blazers series, they go up 2-0 and then Brandon Roy starts to turn into this league MVP and they come back and even the series. And it's just like, oh my gosh, here we go again. And then ultimately, they close out that series, finishing the rest of um, finishing it in six. And then, man, that Lakers series is that's when I knew that they had a chance to go 
to at least go to the finals, right? Um, Lakers were back-to-back final or uh, champions, right? And so um, you still have you still have Phil Jackson, one of the top coaches in the world. Um, debatable, Kobe, of course. Um, <laughs> debatable. Okay. Just kidding. For another day. Just, <laughs> I just had to throw it in. Just had to throw it in. <laughs> but man, the the team that played that Lakers in, in that 11 series, wow, that was just something special. Um, just the way that they locked down that team, um, the way that Dirk decided to take over in, in every fourth quarter, um, and then going into that game four where they hit like 20 something threes. Um, just to, that's the one just I remember because it felt like, I mean, now it'd be a normal game, I guess, but it, that felt like the biggest barrage of three. I just felt like Peja Stojakovic shot a hundred threes and I just never seen passing around the perimeter like that. And that's yeah. plus I hate the Lakers even more than the, the Mavericks um, in the, in the echelon there. And it was just like, man, this team, this team's fun. I don't know. This team was fun. Yeah. Plus Deshaun Stevenson, Deshaun Stevenson is a oh. old school Jerry Sloan disciple, just getting in everybody's face um, and guarding, you know, throughout that run, um, you know, Brandon Roy. I mean, that, this is the thing that I thought was impressive about that run is that that Blazers team was good. People thought, good. I mean, that was a toss up series. And then Kobe and then Durant and Westbrook and then to go through the heat. I mean, there, there have not been more impressive, many more impressive paths to a championship than that one. That map was tough. That map to the finals was definitely tough. Um, once we got to the Thunder, I, I mean, yes, that big three was really good, but they were just too young. It, 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 I, I personally wasn't afraid of that team just because I knew we had so much experience on them. Um, but then, man, getting to the heat, I hate the heat so much and I hate Dwayne Wade so much. Um, so there's, you get, there's my guy that makes my skin crawl whenever I hear his name. I don't think I don't, I, to this day, I, I think he's the biggest piece of crap, but um, this is really, this is going to be funny because I have a Dwayne Wade thing for you later in this podcast. And I had no idea. Well, I mean, I guess I could have guessed. <laughs> you you, you could have guessed because man, when they, when him and LeBron made fun of Dirk in the 11 finals for being sick and having a fever of 103, like, come on, that, that, it, it was just, it was classless. Like Dirk, regardless of what you say, in my personal opinion, this could be biased, but Dirk is one of the most humble superstars I've ever seen. Um, and so just to, just to make fun of him when. Except for when he's in Salt Lake and he makes anything, then like, then all of a sudden that big, like <laughs> um, mean mug, like braggadociousness comes out of him. Well, let me not to, all right. I, 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 this is getting a little too much into like watching the 2011 Mavericks championship DVD. So yeah. <laughs> I want to tie this into this current jazz team. Cause I, there are some parallels here in the sense that, I mean, obviously we're being optimistic in saying that, but in the sense that that Mavs team really did was like, Hey, they're always good in the regular season. Can they get over the hump in the playoffs? I mean, obviously they made it to the finals that year and kind of choked, kind of got jobbed by the refs. But at this time there really was like this reputation of like, can Dirk do it? And so let's pull that all the way back around to another 
um, former Miami Heat person who was part of that 2006 team and talk about whatever the heck Shaquille O'Neal just did this last week on TNT with Donovan Mitchell. Um, wow. mm-hmm. I, I'm curious for you as a non a non jazz fan, but maybe somebody who's been on like a the fan of a team that's like people aren't really um, taking for real. Like, I mean, I think everybody who is listening to this podcast is probably well aware of, of what happened, but basically Shaq and the TNT crew at halftime of the jazz, just looking awesome against the Pelicans all talked about how Donovan Mitchell probably wasn't good enough to take them to the promised land. And then Shaq led the interview of a game where he went 35, seven and six. Um, and they just pummeled the Pelicans and won their seven straight game to tell him right off the bat. I don't think you're good enough um, to go to the next level and take the team. And it was just super awkward super dumb mean um but what what was your impression of all this um as a non-jazz fan but a but a big nba fan yeah well i mean let me tell you i am a huge donovan mitchell fan and so to me watching Shaq say that it's like okay what are you watching what in the past three years what have you watched that i haven't watched that makes you think that donovan mitchell can't take a jazz team to the finals, can't be the best player on a, on a championship team. I mean, I just think he hasn't, I think he's shown more than enough to show he's capable of being the best player on a championship team. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what Shaq was watching. It, it wasn't basketball. I mean, those guys, <laughs> my favorite part of that broadcast is Kenny Smith's like, look, we, we watch the games. We don't really watch the games that much <laughs> about the games they're covering, like not even just other games. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole thing was, was super dumb. I was watching the, the Warriors jazz game last night on the Warriors broadcast. Cause my, my NBA league pass is blocked out locally there. And so I was like watching the local thing and they did a whole pregame segment where they were talking about how dumb this was. And they, they, the whole, the whole broadcast we're talking about how awesome Donovan Mitchell is, how much they love Donovan Mitchell and how he's the type of guy who can lead you to a championship. I have this question for you because this has come up and people, people like to say stuff like there's like five guys who can be the best player on the champion on a championship team. And in my opinion, that's been the case at times in the NBA, but it's not now. I, I think there's 15 guys who could be the best player on a championship team. If the other circumstances fell right, obviously there's like Le, the LeBron, you know, kind of Kawhi, whatever echelon, Luca, maybe. But, um, but the, to say that there's only four or five guys who could do that, I, I disagree. But, I mean, what do you think? And, and what do you think, uh, Doug? You should weigh in after that. I agree with you. I don't think that we are in that NBA anymore. Um, you look at, I mean, look at all these teams that are forming, uh, you know, big twos, big threes type of teams um, that – it's just, it's just not a thing in the NBA anymore to have one superstar on a team. It takes, it takes a true team effort and you need, you need two or three guys on a team that, that can perform every game in order to win a finals. I mean, come on, look at, I mean, look at the Warriors. You had Clay Thompson, you had Kevin Durant, you had Steph Curry. You look at the heat, you look at, I mean, even the Raptors, you may not, you may not think that they had a huge superstar team, but you had Kawhi Leonard, a top five player in the league. And then Kyle Lowry, who is a fantastic second piece. Um, and Pascal Siakam, who came into his own player um, in, in those playoffs. So I think you're, I think you're dead on. I, I don't think that there is a one guy can bring it, uh, bring you a championship anymore. Yeah, one thing that, and just to go with that and to kind of talk more about 
the shack and inside the NBA. Then Kenny tried to save the segment by saying like, here are six things that a superstar needs to lead a team in. And he said, he said points, rebounds, assists, and he didn't, it didn't have to be all of them, but points, rebounds, assists. Then he said defense, pace of play. And at this point he's just making stuff up. And the last one was the leadership, <laughs> I think. <laughs> pace of play was my favorite thing. Like, what the heck? Oh man. I, I, I was like, what does that even mean? But um, I don't know. I just thought it was dumb. If, on, on a, Cause if you think of that, my first, well, maybe this is, I saw someone tweet it or it was my first thought. I don't know. But you think about, okay, who's been a player that's done that? Maybe just done like four plus of those things. And it goes to like Russell Westbrook on the thunder without James Harden and without Kevin Durant points, assists, rebounds, pace of play. Definitely. Um, I don't know about leadership, but he also tries on defense but where did that get them they didn't even win in the first round of the playoffs and i i just think like you said mckay it takes a team um and guess what donovan six six one maybe he's not gonna get 10 rebounds he's not gonna get more rebounds than rudy gobert um and the jazz play with such a pace um where they're moving the ball around so much that um no one's gonna get more than like seven assists a game so I don't know. Exactly. I thought the whole thing was just kind of ridiculous, but um, still, I just think it was stuck it, in their own day and age of basketball. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny to me because Kevin Harlan was calling the game with Reggie Miller, right? And the whole game, he was going on and on about how great of a passer Donovan is and how because of his baseball background, he can throw like passes at these unique angles. And I was like, it was just a weird game to make that point about him because he actually played a really well all around game. And this whole season he's played well all around. He, he passes. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, look, I mean, we obviously love Rudy Gobert here and you, you know, McKay would probably try to take a more nuanced view of him than, than, than I do. Um, Cause I just think he's perfect, but it's also like when people are like, he's got a score. Team. Like in this, like the current jazz team now, is the best jazz team of his era, I would say, at least so far. That's how they're playing, and that's what the makeup is. And if he if he gets 14 in a game and plays as engaged defensively as he is and re- right now and rebounds like he does right now, that's perfect. I don't I don't want him taking three post touches. Like good grief! Like we've got nine dudes who shoot 40 percent above from three or 40 percent or better from three. I'm kind of making that up, but I I think it's probably right. And uh, just run the offense. They're, they're running a very egalitarian offense and uh, don't worry about like Jeremy Grant. Are, are they saying like Donovan should be more like Jeremy Grant on the Pistons and just like get a ton of points and rebounds and, and lose every game? Like what, what, the, what are we even talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they're honest. I don't know what they're looking for in him because to me, I've watched Donovan since his rookie year, he has gotten better every year. And I don't know about you guys, but, Man, this new like Jokic esque wraparound pass to the to the corner three that he does is just a thing of beauty. I like, love it. Those are the things that you're looking for in a player to get better. He's creating new ways to distribute and get guys involved. What more can you ask the guy? I mean, he's already been a fantastic scorer from his rookie year. So now he's trying to develop these other attributes to polish him as a player overall. 
which he's doing. So what 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 else do you yeah. want him to do? It's like if they asked Luca to average four blocks a game. Like it's just stupid. Like and there's been I mean in the playoffs, like I think about that game seven versus the Nuggets like and yeah, the Jazz lost by a half of an inch on a Mike Conley three at the buzzer. But that was the game where Donovan didn't shoot well and his just sheer force of will brought them back from like a 20 point deficit and gave them a game. And he had great passes and he rebounded. He does those one arm rebounds that are awesome. His passing. I just, it's silly. The reason I text both of you this before, like who could be the NBA's Tony Romo is that I, I mean, it's been funny to see all the national media attention come to the Shaq thing. And one of the complaints that people have made is that too many of the basketball announcers right now are just these guys who are constantly criticizing the current players and saying they don't do things the way it's like the old head kind of a thing. And I think we've got like, I think Mike Breen's awesome. I think Doris Burke is awesome. I think Kevin Harlan's still good. Like there's some good sort of um, play-by-play people, but who like Tony Romo has been a revelation in the NFL. And I think besides him, Chris Collins was good. There's other good ones. Like, I don't think a current Tony Romo exists in the NBA and I'm, I'm, I've got a few names I would propose of retired players who I think could do it, but I'm curious if either of you guys think we have somebody that's actually good that I'm overlooking. And if not, like who you think it could be. Um, Either way. Can I go first? Yeah. Well, so, okay. I was thinking about this and I was thinking about current people that are in the media. um, And I actually don't think he calls games, but he does a lot of commentary on um, ESPN and other places, I think in like post, post pre post and half um but what about richard jefferson um i feel like he's decent um and he he does he played for the jazz for one season 82 games and then he was out but um i feel like he does a decent job as as i just was trying to find someone that is in the in that arena right now that uh, maybe could fill that role and i think he's a maybe just because he was such a journeyman. I think maybe the difference between like Shaq being the, I mean, I guess he was kind of a journeyman in the end too, but the superstar that he was and like Chuck and maybe the pride that comes from being that level of an athlete to like, I think Kenny's better than those two as much as I don't think he's great either, but Richard Jefferson's kind of the, the guy that, more humble player kind of a role player went around a lot of different places and i th- i think he does a pretty good job so there's my he he's not a direct romo comparison i like that suggestion but i think I, he's all right i do like richard jefferson as well i think he i think he provides a lot of insight i mean he's had a a really long career so he knows and he's played in both eras which makes him great too yeah did you have another, another guy i don't and like prime Richard, prime Richard Jefferson was kind of like Tony Romo. No, I mean, uh, prime Richard Jefferson was a really good player who wasn't like a super duper star. Maybe Tony Romo's a little better, but I, I like, because I think sometimes the super duper stars don't relate so much to the other players. And also they're just so, so damn famous. They just don't care. So they don't try. Um, in this, I think Richard Jefferson caught a game recently, actually. I mean, he's, I think you're right. He's done more studio. I didn't see it, but I heard it was good. What about you, McKay? You have thoughts? I do have thoughts. Um, I, I tried to think same lines as Doug, um, where this player that I thought 
may come as a shock unless you've heard him talk. And it's Matt Barnes. I don't know if any of you guys have listened to yeah. Matt Barnes on ESPN, but he's really smart. And, and uh, I really enjoy listening to his analysis of players and games, um, which is, it, it's big of me to say because I hated his guts when he played, early, <laughs> but just another guy who who's had plenty of experience, not a superstar by any means, um, but just a solid role player wherever he played. Um, and just, he, he knows a lot about the game. Yeah, that's hey, actually that's really, one. that is, that is a good one. And one that I hadn't thought of, but I was actually just listening to, there was a show with, with him, Paul Pierce and someone else. And the, I was just listening to their commentary a couple of days ago about the jazz. And, and I was like, I was shocked too. I didn't, I didn't like Matt Barnes ever. I thought he was uh, super annoying, but um, I also was like, wow, Matt Barnes. Okay. So I could see that. I can roll with Matt Barnes. Listen, you know, I don't like to pub competitors, but I believe he's got a podcast with like maybe Steven Jackson's on it or somebody else that's called like all the smoke and uh it's pretty good too i mean i i I like i actually liked him as a player i kind of like that warrior team in secret um so i thought he was just like for one i liked the way his shot looked Uh, and then two he just always like and doug knows i'm into shot aesthetics um and yeah he just was one of those dudes that was like always a valuable he was more like late career richard jefferson level like he was never up to early like nets Richard Jefferson, but yeah, right. I like it. I mean, I mean, my hatred for him really stems from the We Believe Warriors that took down the number one seed Mavs, but makes sense. It's <laughs> biased. I this always is, love that because oh, go ahead. Because the Jazz were in the four or five that year, and there was, I felt like there was no way we were going to beat the Mavs, and then out of nowhere, the eight seed Warriors beat the Mavs. That was the best, and then. And that, that was that was when Baron Davis just totally made Andre Karolinko his child. But um, the Jazz did get that series, and it was awesome. I mean, the Jazz dispatched them in a, sw- a swift five-game uh, series that people tend to try to remember like it was – I mean, all the games were competitive, and, and everybody loved that Warriors team besides us. So I just kind of look at it more as like a cute little brother that we just kind of patted on the head and moved on out of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so here's I got a couple. Um, honestly, the first one on my list was Dwayne Wade. <laughs> I, I don't. I he probably, but I, I'm gonna rule him off my list. I'm telling you, my, like I think Dwayne Wade actually has made some smart basketball commentary just on his Twitter account. Like I follow him since. I think he's was too famous, too big. Like I just think if Dwayne, if someone like Dwayne Wade, I think Paul Pierce could have done this too. Dwayne, if someone like Dwayne Wade, I think Paul Pierce could have done this too, actually tried and cared to be really good. I, the one guy I think is kind of uh, that I am, I do like that doesn't now is Jalen Rose. I, I feel like sometimes he's a little off and he, whatever, but he at least like took his whole career, post career seriously. Some of these guys are just like, because of Charles Barkley, who I will say I've loved inside the NBA for most of its run because Charles Barkley is just funny. Um, and he's yeah. good at just talking off the cuff. The problem is you bring another guy like Shaq on who's trying to do it too, but isn't good at it. And it's like, it's just gotten a little awkward uh, over time. I actually thought Chris Webber was good on that show before Shaq started. And now I think Chris Webber is terrible at, uh, as a commentator. I, I expected him to be good. He's so hard to listen to. Reggie Miller also could be good. 
just doesn't watch basketball enough to care. My favorite thing was when he said in the jazz game the other day, uh, he said something about how we've seen George Niang do this so much at U- Iowa State. And I was like, there is zero chance Reggie Miller ever watched George Niang play basketball at Iowa State. Um, but I just thought it was funny. So here's my list of people I think could do it. I like Sean Livingston, sort of for the same rationale as what you guys were saying before. Smart player. His devastating injury he had to totally evolve the way he played. Didn't play like what seems like a modern game, but played in like a modern system and found like smart ways to be effective, even though he wasn't a three-point shooter. Um, sneaky, I don't know why I was so worried. I've, I've, I've heard David West is like a super intellectual person. Um, and I think he's also had an interesting career. And my last one was uh, Kyle Korver, who I just think has been on a bunch of really good teams. Always seems introspective. Played with some of the best players that we've had. And, you know, LeBron and, and Giannis donovan mitchell um and i just uh, i don't know i think there's there's probably a lot of guys in that echelon who if they just committed to it could give you useful insight it just seems like whenever anybody gets the job they're like oh i'm just gonna you know shoot the breeze on on air and it doesn't work yeah funny thing oh go ahead oh sorry i just want to plug in one other guy that i thought tony parker I thought I thought he he may bring some uh, interesting insight being on that Spurs team and learning from Pop. Obviously, the uh, the coach on the floor. I like. Yeah, it. and he played. Uh, I like I like guys that have a lot of international basketball perspective because I just think it's become a bigger part of the game and more European influences in the game. And yeah, I like that a lot. Plus, he looks a lot like Doug looks right now with the, a great beard to. <laughs> to hair on his head ratio all the time that's, um, that's, that's true that, it would be an aesthetic that's treat the truth. um the funny thing mark when you said Dwayne wade i actually thought about Dwayne wade and then i thought about dunk contest Dwayne wade and i was like no <laughs> can't do it good, good point best counterpoint so far <laughs> he's off the list that's that's <laughs> i just felt totally i didn't right. like Dwayne wade in the dunk contest um, no, he was terrible. If we're, if we're going terrible. to current player, I'm going to say these two would be the best because they have really good podcasts. And I would say CJ McCollum and and uh, hated Dookie um, JJ Reddick. Both of those guys have, yeah. have good podcasts, and I feel like are yeah. smart basketball people. Um, so does Joe Ingles, but he would maybe speak speak too slow. Yeah, <laughs> he would throw in some like nasty trash talk too, and I don't know who. Well, uh, should we, let's talk about this current team, McKay, if, if that's cool. Um, what, uh, I mean, it's been kind of a weird season for like, you know, I think very high expectations for the Mavericks. Luca was like the odds on favorite in every betting book to be MVP. There's been a lot of, I think COVID related non playing folks, other injuries. Um, where do you sit on their chances? What are things that would be interesting for us to, to look for as jazz fans in these as a reminder to everybody, they're back-to-back, not in the schedule, one day apart, Jazz Mavericks games this week. Yeah. Uh, they're an interesting team, and I'm, I'm still not sure what my thoughts are on them this year. Um, there's just been so many things that have happened. To start the season, we didn't have KP, um, and then KP comes back, and then we lose four huge rotational players. I mean – 
And we, we lost Finney Smith, we lost Kleba, and we lost Richardson, which all three of those have been starters at one point or another. And then, so we've had, we've been missing them since KP's returned. Um, and then we're supposed to get them back, or at least some of them back this next week. Um, so it'll be interesting um, to start the season. We were excellent defend, uh, defensively, but we weren't great offensively. And then finally, uh, Rick Carlisle put KP back at the five, which I think is the best spot for him. Um, and our offense started to get going, but because we're missing three huge defensive cogs, our defense has been suffering. So it'll be interesting in this, in this matchup with the jazz, because it potentially could be the first lineup that we see the Mavs fully healthy. Um, so, yeah. So do you, do you think that overall, do you think overall a full strength, this team, I mean, last year, as a reminder to folks or who maybe you missed it, the Mavs had maybe the, the most historically prolific offense in the history of the NBA, right? I mean, I think they finished with the highest offensive rating of, of any team ever, but were, you know, playing nary a shred of defense. Um, and they, I mean, it was good enough to win a lot of games, but so, but, you know, Seth Curry leaves some other guys, part of that offense, maybe. Um, but do you feel like full strength, this is a more balanced team than last year? I do. Yeah. I mean, with the addition of Josh Richardson, um, I mean, Kleba is still one of our best defenders. Um, we get KP back. I really think this is a much better defensive team. We did sacrifice some shooting from Seth Curry, um, but that was Rick Carlisle's focus this offseason was getting better defensively. He knew, we all knew that, that we were terrible last year um, and you can't win in the playoffs without defensive stoppers, right? So I do think this is a more balanced team. Um, I think if, if we do have our lineup back, um, I don't think it'll be the same pushover maps that, that the Jazz have seen in the last five, six years. Um, that's been how long the Jazz have dominated the maps, right? Six, seven years. So can you say that sentence one more time? I just, it, that felt really good. <laughs> As a game, no, I was, my, my, I've said on this podcast my favorite regular season game last year was Jazz Mavs, um, the one where Rudy got a block at the end of the game to kind of seal the deal and Donovan made a shot. But it was like electric, and it was one where like I invited. This is what feels like years ago because it was pre-pandemic. I invited like friends over who were just very casual basketball fans, and were like, "Dude, this is going to be a, a really fun game." And then it was, and it was just like yeah. delivered. Um, you, and you were there, weren't you, McKen? I was there, yeah. Heartbreaker. My, my so the I watched um, the past three games on NBA League Pass condensed version. So I spent a solid nine minutes each game watching Hashtag the Mavs, research. Um, Again, jump, Doug. jumping in that research, and um, it looked because it looks like Chris Tabs didn't play yesterday. Is he just sitting on back to backs? Is that? Uh, no, he has, he has actually played, but they're playing the, they played their what fifth game in the seventh day. So I think they were just doing a, a maintenance thing. Oh, uh, okay. Um, but so Mark and I, last week that the jazz played the Atlanta Hawks and, and do know our feelings on, on Trey Young, but as a Mavs fan, yeah. and I was, as I was listening to the, or watching the game, 
as the, as a mass fan, every time that they bring up, I just think that it was interesting that they talked about it even in, in the Mavs game, but every time that they bring up the Atlanta Hawks trade, do you just smile because you have Luca and, and he's not on the Hawks because I was, I, I was watching that and I was like, that is so funny. That is never going to be not a talking piece. Um, when Luca or Trey young are on the court because good game or bad game, you're going to say, dang, good thing we have Luca or good thing. You know, I don't know. No, it's true. And every time the Mavs play the Hawks, they have to bring it up. And that, that the Mavs traded Trey young for Luca Doncic. And I mean, yeah, if, if anybody argues that Trey young's better than Luca, it's asinine. It's just absurd. But. Exactly. But at the same time, I feel like you're in the bag for Trey Young, Mikhail. Like I'm out here giving you all this good material on Twitter that you could use calling him Steve Francis light. And you're like, yeah, oh, no, he's really good. I'm just like, just, just lean into the anti Trey Young thing with us. It's more fun. <laughs> I can understand the fun that you have at that, but I, I, I he's really he's good. good. I mean, he's really good. He's really good. I think uh, he's not Luka. He's not yeah. Luka. No. So, um, he's not Steve Francis yet either. As I was doing my quick maps research, though, is should we be most afraid of? I mean, obviously, there's Christoph Porzingis, and of course, Luka Doncic is Jalen Brunson, our guy that we're looking out for on the perimeter. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. are those kind of big offense. The Jazz have kind of struggled with perimeter defense. Is, we talked about a lot, um, but is that is that kind of the what we're looking for? Yeah, I I, I think the uh, the biggest thing that you're going to look for is Jalen Brunson. Um, if we have our full lineup back, Jalen Brunson off the bench. Um, he's our new JJ Barea esque player, um, which we all know Jazz fans love JJ. Uh, and uh, I silent head shaking was just happening there. <laughs> Tim Hardaway is a make or break player. If he's on, we have a really good chance to win the game, but he is very streaky and uh, he can shoot ourselves out of a game for sure. So he's one to watch. I think, I mean, this is, this is cliche, but the biggest thing to watch is can Gobert affect KP on the perimeter or are, I mean, what's the jazz game plan for KP um, being out on that three point line? Are they going to put someone more versatile on him um, or are they going to keep, keep Gobert on him? That, that's going to be a huge thing to watch. One question. I mean, the jazz have not busted this out much this year, but some of us, you know, speculated that in certain matchups um, there could be favors Gobert minutes again. And like one, one in which I could see is this one. I mean, last year's Mavs team, I think you have been afraid to do it with, KP at the five because you're basically playing five out so you can't have two big guys do you feel like in the move to shooting like a shift away like are how many of these lineups are the Mavs trotting out now where they've got four or five shooters like if if favors was on KP and they brought in Gobert and just stuck him on somebody non-scary and left him by the room is that a possible possibility or do you think the Mavs have too much shooting for that Again, it depends on who we have, but um, the one lineup that sticks out is when when Willie Cauley Stein comes in, um, and go barely. How do you feel about him, Willie Cauley Stein? I I don't like Willie Cauley Stein. I think he struggled. His motor is very questionable. Um, 
I mean, I just watched him get abused by Boogie last night. So my feelings are actually really fresh on him. Yeah. Um, anybody that weighs more than 200 pounds can push Collie Stein out of the paint. So he's not much of a defender. Uh, so yeah, take advantage of that matchup whenever he's in. Boogie for real stat line this morning. And I, I was like, did he, is he moving? Well, like, does he look good? Um, it's hard to say because again, he was just abusing Collie Stein, just pushing him out of the paint <laughs> and his three point shot. He looked like he should have been in the three point contest. I mean, he hit four or five of them, I think. So, um, and I think what I think when I was watching that, it said that it was his first like 25 point, 15 rebound game or whatever since in the past three years. Um, yeah, 2018 or something like that. Since those Pelican days, um, right? Yeah. So I feel like when I think of exasperated McKay on Twitter, it's normally at, directed at Tim Hardaway Jr. Is like he the guy who we should be hoping decides to play hero ball tomorrow, or who should we be cheering? Who should we be feeling good about when they start jacking him up? Definitely Hardaway. Yeah, he, he he. If he's missing, man, you guys have no idea how quickly the Jazz can go on a run. Tim Hardaway loves uh, four on one uh, fast break layups too. So. If, if you ever get him on the break, it's it's pretty much an automatic stop. Nice. <laughs> All right, McKay. Well, so as it's as has been noted, your your younger career in basketball was completely patterned after the 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 skill set of Dirk Nowitzki. Um, if anyone anyone here listening that doesn't know McKay Richens. Um, all you have to do is type in Dirk highlights and essentially that is exactly McKay Richens in a shorter version. <laughs> um, and, and also shorter hair on the top of his head. But now that um, you're transitioning into the echelon of old man basketball, McKay and Dirk is retired. Is there a certain player on the team now that you are patterning your game after? Are you kind of a Chris Stapps, like three no D kind of guy, or what's what's your what's your game game style looking like these days? Uh, have you ever watched Boban play? <laughs> oh, that, that's my next question. Right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like just, it. Just sit there in the paint with my arms up and hope for the best. Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, like '90s Sam Perkins, which is probably too old for you guys, but he was the original stretch five really just in the fact that he had stretch marks and he shot threes from the corner and didn't do much else <laughs> kind of my modern game well, i've got some good run yesterday though for sure he did uh didn't do well yesterday normally boban is a is a factor in a game when he comes in but didn't didn't play well i like it though i think you could definitely pull off some boban i think maybe you're selling yourself short but more for yourself into what Boban and, and Chris Stapps are doing. I think that's that's McKay Richens 2.0. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I'm curious, two games against the Jazz this week. Where do you guys have it? 2-0? Okay, let me jump in here, Mark. So historically, yeah. and Mark and I, are, I can agree on this fact, that historically within like a week span when you play someone twice or two-week span – you usually split and that's kind of our philosophy here on the podcast. But, um, so here in my program in, in Oregon, there's a guy that's a huge Pelicans fan. And I told him that the jazz were going to split just because I was being nice and I wasn't looking for controversy. 
But man, I did not think the Jazz were going to split. And and they won both of those Pelican games, and it was awesome. I'm a little nervous that the first game against the Mavs is on a back-to-back after the Knicks game, which I know is going to be charged for the Jazz because they lost to the Knicks, and that was their last loss um, before this eight-game winning streak. So that first game, it makes me nervous. I think it could be a split, but honestly, the Jazz are so hot right now, I can't see them losing. And so after Go watching – I'm going to say the Jazz are going to win both the games because after watching the the Rockets game versus the Mavs last night, I was um, I was feeling pretty pumped. But the fact that you said that they've got guys coming back from injury makes me a little bit more nervous. But I, I think the Jazz might go 2-0. I just once, – once I see something, then I, I'm like, okay, the Jazz are human again. But right now, I think they're going to ride the Shaq thing for at least another week. I like when Doug's the bold one and then I can be the rational one because it's normally not the No, I don't know. I, I, I'm very much nervous about back-to-backs, Doug. I, like, that's why I never want to place too much impact on any single regular season game, especially early in the season. But I, before that second Pelicans game, really thought it's going to be hard to win this game. It just, it just is. Like, the Jazz are better than that team. That team is off. I don't know. They have a lot of talent, but they are off. But I just thought they're they're young and they're athletic and they just lost. Like if the Jazz win this and win it convincingly, we're good. I think we're good. And that, that was kind of my like before. Obviously, I thought the Jazz were good, but I thought that was like really the game. And obviously, the Warriors game sort of um, reemphasized it. That I just think this is this could be as good of a team as we've had since '98 or at least since 2008. I mean, because that Pelicans team came out swinging, got up 16. But it never felt like that, like the Jazz were getting the shots they wanted. And it just was like, nah, we're, we're too good. We're, we're too good for this team. We're going to overwhelm them in the end. I think the Mavericks at full strength are better than the Pelicans. Um, so I think it would be even more difficult, especially they're going to be going into this, hopefully with a nine game win streak. I think like with a nine, they're going to kill the Knicks. They're going to run the Knicks out of the gym because like Doug said, oh, there's going to oh. be some some vitriol after that losing that last game. Um, so that it, it's going to be tough. I mean, if they do, then we really are looking at the jazz as, I mean, to, to me, I think they're, they're playing right now, like one of the three best teams in the league. And I, I mean, I'm not super confident. I think it's probably most likely a split, but I wouldn't be surprised either if, if they want them both. I will throw this in quick, but I mean, the only thing is like, if Luca just takes over, um, because if you go to the Kenny Smith, Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, roll of thumb when it goes to a superstar, I can say that Luca fits three plus of those characteristics. And so, I mean, if Luca goes off, then then that's a different story. But I just feel like the Jazz have too much, you know. So, I don't. Know. What do you think, McKay? You're not going to say my, that the uh, Mavs are going to lose twice, are you? No, my optimism says a split. Um, unless we're not healthy, if, if we don't get our lineup back, I think I think it's uh, it's a likely chance that we go we go over. But um, if we can at least get one one or two guys back, I, I think we'll split. And the reason is. I trust Rick Carlisle on a, uh, on a back-to-back more than probably 
25 coaches in this league. Um, and so I think that whatever Utah shows in that first game, um, if, if Dallas doesn't win, uh, I, I think Friday we, we take. I mean, that is a great point. I, to me, he's one of the best handful of coaches in the NBA too. I, I really like watching the adjustments he makes and kind of like Quinn, he takes dudes who fit into his system. Like any small, any under six foot point guard should just want to play for Rick Carlisle for the rest of like in perpetuity, <laughs> because any of them go there, like from the G league, whoever, I mean, how many dudes like I have just come out of like a G league team and like gone and thrown up 28 points. JJ Perea made an entire career out of, I mean, granted JJ is good. And I, I was going to tell the story. I've told this on the pod before, but not, not today as my father-in-law would say um, when I saw him play in Salt Lake, community college at Salt Lake community college in the Rocky mountain review summer league eons ago, Darren Williams, second year. And I was like, this little dude is going to be the best European basketball player ever. And uh, it turned out he actually made the NBA and it was JJ Beret and he's awesome. Um, and thank, thank goodness we don't have to deal with him anymore, but, um, but yeah, Rick, I mean, it'll be fun to see. That'll be a, definitely a thing to look out for this week for people watching is just what are the adjustments from game one to game two? I mean, Stan Van Gundy, is a good coach. I don't know. Is Stan Van Gundy a good coach? I don't know. They, they made some big adjustments in that second game and, and hung around more in the first half against the jazz. And I think there are interesting things to pick apart with this team to like, are you going to try to just take the rim away and let them shoot 53s and get to the Doug 2050 rule? Or are you going to, or are you going to just try to make Gobert catch lobs and be, I mean, I, I don't know. It'll, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, if, it, it, it's definitely a fun matchup. That's for sure. If we can get Chris Epps, um to just walk into a cafe Zupas or something like that, then I'm sure we'll get at least <laughs> we'll, we'll get him to sit out again. <laughs> Wasn't that where Gordon got sick? Zupas? That was. Yeah, yeah. The, the, we got them in the back. Or you can order pizza in Park City late at night, I guess, um, yeah. and have nine people deliver it to him. Um, in trench coats. Yeah. I will say my biggest bummer about this Mavs team is that DeLon Wright's not on it anymore. I mean, just why don't you keep my Utah guy? Like, You know, I am so disappointed about DeLon Wright. I had such high expectations for him, but it just didn't work out. It, and for whatever reason, he just wasn't that Toronto DeLon Wright that I fell in love with. Yeah. Happy, happy for him in Detroit. He's getting minutes. He's, he, he, uh, he, looks, he looks pretty decent in, in Detroit. Yeah, he's a bright spot there on a, a super weird roster. Um, well, McKay, this has been so fun. I, I feel like we ran out of time and we couldn't really get into the question I really wanted to ask you, which was who wins in, in, in a hot dog eating contest, James Harden or Luka Doncic? Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know, Doug, did you have any final questions for, for McKay? We'll let him, you know, we'll leave that one on the bone. <laughs> no, I don't think so. It was fun having you on, McKay. I think we've been talking about this for a, for a long time. Um, now we finally have you in, in the Zoomosphere here. Um, all I have to say is I'm kind of getting Twitter famous for my one um, statistic here. So watch out for the Jazz shooting 50 plus threes or making 20 plus threes, McKay, because it's a blowout every time. Undefeated if they do either of those numbers. They don't have to do both. Last night they did both, and the Warriors broadcast was falling all over itself talking about them as title contenders. But any game where the Jazz make 23s and or attempt 50, which I thought, Man. honestly, Doug, when you made up this rule, 
I thought it was a ridiculous rule because I thought it was going to happen three times the whole season and it happens every game now, <laughs> one of them. So uh, you were prescient. Yeah. So watch out for Welcome that. Welcome to the modern NBA. Yeah, That's man. right. That's crazy. Yeah, man. All right. Well, thanks for fun. having me, guys. D- yeah. Do you have I, any send-off comments? Hey, go Mavs and uh, watch out for Boban Mania. He might get some playing time depending on who we've got. So uh, watch out. Um, we're, we're stoked about it and we, and we're fingers crossed, hoping for a second round playoff matchup or something. Um, when we were just going to bring you on like five times to talk about a, a seven game series. Perfect. You, you may get rage McKay after, after a play. <laughs> That's all we want. That's all we want. Hi <laughs> right, man. Thanks. Thanks Appreciate guys. It. See ya. You're the man. Hashtag social media. Yay! Let's roll into social media though. So, Doug, I got a couple that are all just make me happy social media numbers, uh, social media references this week. Um, you called her out earlier. Huge fan of Sarah Todd of the D News. Um, she just tweeted this, quoting Steve Kerr. Utah is a veteran team and they're trying to win a championship right now. And I think they're capable of doing that. Doug, I got 17 other bookmark tweets that are more or less saying that from somebody from the Warriors. But whew, makes me feel good. Makes me feel yeah, good. I like um, it. Let me give you a, uh, this other one following up on what I was saying earlier about Mike Conley. This is from uh, Tyson Ewing at Ty Wing or Ty Ewing 2. Y'all ready for an insane number? Over the last 22 quarters of play, the Utah Jazz are a plus 142 with Mike Conley on the floor. Take note. Whoa. So good. <laughs> that is uh, really funny. Um, have you ever heard on D- David Locke sometimes talk, he, he's on his broadcast, he'll be like, our score is a palindrome, you know, like if it's 12 to 21 or something, it's like the numbers are, the outside numbers are the same and the in- middle numbers are the same. Yep. You know yep. I mean? uh, so this guy at Dad Shamadad said, score was 47 to 74. That's a pummel drum, folks. And uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Well, yeah, because... Um, that was a pretty good pun. You, you went out for a second there, so because did you say David Locke on his radio broadcast always says that? He'll, he'll go, and that's a palindrome, folks. And usually yeah. when it's for the jazz, it's like... Yeah, yeah. And so at the end of the half, I said, Kylie, 74 to 47, that's a palindrome. Uh, I was I was with this guy. Yeah, and it's a pummel drum is what we're calling it now. If if it's a thirty point lead palindrome, we're going yep. pummel drum. That's that's what I said. Um, so that's it. I, there's a bunch of other ones. There was a Tony Jones did a Quinn Snyder quote where he said, "It's a long season. We need to not get too high, not get too low." And that just made me think of Ricky Rubio and made me happy. Yeah. So. Um. Well, I've been thinking about Ricky Rubio a lot. Those were all your tweets, right? Yeah. Um, because guess what? One of my favorite tweets was from Ricky Rubio talking about the Shaq stuff. And he said, come on, stop Peyton. He has it. Um, just go watch his first playoff series as a rookie game six, um, last year, etc. Hard, hard worker, never says anything wrong. All heart, elite scorer, humble, great teammate. And just... Um, keeps getting better year after year with the zipper face. Um, Ricky Rubio is the best, man. I love Ricky Rubio wisdom. I love Ricky Rubio looks. I love Ricky Rubio smile, no smile, face all around. 
Um, and he's the best, man. I oftentimes he's the best. when I'm either too high or too low, I think never too high and never too low. And <laughs> I always go back to Ricky Rubio with his arms out after winning a huge game for the Jazz. Dude, as you read that, your face took on the features of Ricky Rubio and your voice took on the tones of Ricky Rubio. And I thought I was looking at Ricky Rubio. Uh, yeah. I'm Spanish samurai over here. So that was amazing. Um, and then the next one, um, and I, the, there were so many funny memes this week with Bernie Sanders and how he was sitting at the um, inauguration in his awesome coat with his legs crossed and his mittens. Um, that are yep. the one and only Becky Lindsay jumps into this, and I'm sure she didn't make the make the meme, but she said it was her new favorite. Um, this is Dennis Lindsay's wife, and um, yes. it's who Dennis Lindsay is the president of basketball operations for the Jets, and she said my new favorite meme um, after a great game tonight. Um, and it was Donovan Mitchell's face superimposed on or photoshopped on Bernie Sanders' face with his arms crossed going, I... <laughs> and it was just amazing. I thought it was incredible that that Becky, Lindsay, Becky Lindsay's jumping into the game, and I just loved it. That's and th- those are my That's tweets. Um, Ricky Rubio, Becky Lindsay... Bernie Sanders, Donovan Mitchell combination. It's all right. Everybody's, I love it. What, what, can we all hang out? Um, well, that's great. I think, uh, Doug, we will wrap it up. Um, we're going to send us out with a little convo I had with my son, Lucas, um, and Kristen yesterday uh, prior to the Warriors jazz game. And uh, everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. This is Tuesday and Threes. Boom. All right, buddy. Tonight, the team from where I grew up, the Jazz, is playing the team from where you're growing up, the Warriors. Who are you going to cheer for? Uh, I'm going to cheer for the Warriors. You want to cheer for the Warriors? Yeah, I grew up there, Red. Oh. Right. You know what? Yeah, you. I mean, this is where you're growing up. The Warriors are the team around here, and I. I like that you can cheer for the teams around here, like the Giants, the San Jose Sharks, even maybe the Forty ers but definitely not the Raiders. But they've moved, right? We would never do that. Oh, I want to cheer for the Forty Sharks. The Forty Sharks. The Forty Sharks is someone you can cheer for. Um, you can also cheer for the Earthquakes. Ooh. Just not the the earthquake that's actually going to tear apart our our hometown at some point. Okay, now how but just... buddy, but but the jazz, you have to cheer for the jazz in this family. Come on. Why don't you want to cheer for the jazz, bud? Because my dad playing Yeah, but guess what? Your dad's a jazz fan. I'm a jazz fan. Your grandparents. Are jazz fans. Dougie's a jazz Your fan. Your aunts and uncles are all jazz fans. Kind of just by being born into this family, you have to be a jazz fan. <laughs> what if, what if 
If you're a jazz fan and you agree to be a jazz fan, you get a treat. I already had even a soda. <gasps> if we sweeten the deal and give you one more soda, do you think you could be a jazz fan? <laughs> it's Deal. It's a deal. Okay, dude. great. And you can cheer for the Warriors when they're not playing the Jazz. Deal? Shake. Deal. All right. <laughs> That's a good deal.